Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos. And we are here on episode 19, continuing our continuing our Colorado Playmakers football edition, class of 2021. And this week we are doing wide receivers. And as you can imagine, there are a bunch of talented receivers in this state. So this one was really hard. For us, uh, we went through a ton of guys. There were probably like, what, 20 on our sheet, I want to say, of all the scouting reports. And we watched a ton of film, you know, senior year, junior year, and even sophomore year, and potentially freshman year if anybody had it. And there are some really talented guys on this list. So without further ado, we're going to go through our number fives and four in this segment, then three, two. We'll have some honorable mentions. And if anybody has anybody that we want to do, if anybody has any film that they want us to do breakdowns on, please send in the requests. We already have quite a few, uh, whether that's through Instagram or TikTok, and we love doing the requests, so keep them coming in. But to get started, we have at number five out of Inglewood High School, we have Nate Gravagno. So Nate actually plays for a former coach of mine, Mike Campbell, so I'm familiar with the offense that Nate plays in. And Simon, if you don't mind, I'd like to start off with some of the strengths of Nate. Go for it. Yeah, so Nate, six foot two, 190 pounds. And uh, the best thing about Nate, I think, compared to a lot of these other guys, is his versatility. And I should note that versatility was super important to me, and that's playing inside and outside and the number of routes that we see. But Nate's versatility is really different than a lot of these other guys because not only is he a slot receiver, an out, outside receiver, but he also plays H-back and tight end. So, you know, he's all over the field inside and out. And, uh, you know, I even took a closer look at his film and, you know, there were some routes in there that, you know, Campbell places a lot of trust in Nate to find the open spots in the field. And Nate does exactly that. And that's a testament to both his versatility and his football IQ, as well as his vision, which you can also see when Nate is a punt returner or a kick returner. He knows how to find the holes and get the most amount of yards. He also runs the ball sometimes on reverses or straight out of the backfield and potentially wildcat at other times. So Nate is a really talented guy with the ball in his hands and he looks really comfortable with it and can make plays, honestly. Um, over his three years as a starter, he has over 2,000 yards, um, nearly 3,000 all-purpose yards, but specifically as a receiver, he has 125 catches for 2,292 yards. And as a three-year starter, he has 36 touchdowns. So you figure he's basically averaging 12 TDs a year, and you don't be able to do that without being talented. So Nate, um, like I said, he has great vision, super versatile um and then what makes him so good with the ball in his hands other than having excellent vision is he's a tough runner you know he's not afraid to lower his shoulder sometimes and pick up the extra yards that way but he also is a very finesse kind of player and um i had a chance to talk to campbell about nate and he says that nate prefers to uh go to his jukes first rather than powering through guys even though he is capable and I think it shows because his jukes are really good. He has multiple plays where he can make cornerbacks entirely miss linebackers safeties on big jump cuts or, you know, quick changes of direction. Uh, Nate is 
just able to kind of do whatever you ask them to. And that's really what you want to see, you know, as, especially as a scout or from a scout's perspective, you want a guy who like Nate is going to make whatever team he joins better. And I believe that holistically because he will do whatever you ask him to do. And not only will he do it, but he's capable of doing it because, you know, there's plenty of guys out there who play with a lot of heart and they'll do whatever you ask them to, to the best of their abilities. But Nate is able to fulfill the requests asked of him. Now, Simon, what are some strengths that you saw from Nate? Hopefully I didn't steal all of them. Nah, you're all good. Uh, there's still some ones out there. Nate, he has a lot of uh, upside to him. I'm not going to lie. I really like the film I saw him, despite him maybe not being, uh, I don't know, like without the ball in his hands, one of the most impressive guys, right? But with the ball in his hands, I think he's super dynamic. And in my opinion, he's one of the few possession receivers in the state um, that I actually really like a lot that doesn't entirely rely on his speed you already talked about the finesse moves you talked about the physicality all that i agree with that and i think he does a really good job at just you know getting yardage you know getting positive yardage moving the chains nothing too crazy nothing too flashy you know he might not always break a whole bunch of tackles and whatnot for like a huge game but he'll break enough tackles to get um the yards that you need to get and so as a coach that's kind of what i like to see he's somebody who's just reliable you know, uh, and also he's not a liability in in any of the games. He's a really good blocker, in my opinion. Nate here might be the best blocker on this list entirely. Uh, I just in my opinion, like we saw him block from a bunch of different directions and whatnot. So he showed that he could chip block, and then he could definitely manhandle any corner you put in front of him. And I still think on the next level, he could probably do that well. I mean, he's just a very strong blocker, easily the best uh, blocking receiver in the state, in my opinion, or at least labeled as a receiver um, in the state, in my opinion. And so all that, that's really good. I think on special teams, both as a returner and a gunner, um, he succeeds a lot. You know, he makes big plays. He makes a lot of big time tackles too. And he's, like I said, he's somebody that you could keep on the field and be like, all right, I feel good about him out there. Uh, you don't really got to worry about him that much, right? And so he's just a reliable guy that a lot of colleges on the next level will need. And, um, and yeah, so there you go. And then I only have two more, two other points here. Nate, I, kind of already mentioned this but uh he's stronger than he looks he's listed at 190 but he definitely looks maybe a little bit bigger and even then like he's knocking like some lineman off the rocker sometimes and you know he's doing his thing and so he definitely has a lot of power to him that um that i think some some colleges and some people on the next level and opponents may have overlooked a little bit but he's definitely a very strong football player in general which makes him you know a great possession receiver and hard to bring down because he's so physical and breaks a lot of tackles and then lastly i think uh his route running just improved a lot from junior to senior year it just looks very polished you know he wins leverages he wins leverages with his route running which means you know he gets that corner on the hip you know he doesn't make his receipt or his receivers he doesn't make his quarterback like throw into crazy tight spaces you know like he gets his corners on the right side of him and you know gets in a position where he could just box out and then make a play and so that's definitely something i like to see but there you go uh cody do you mind if i go over some areas of improvement real quick though go for it 
Cool. So I kind of alluded to this at the beginning, but his top end speed is definitely a little bit of a concern. I said that he's not exactly a home run hitter. And the more I watch, the more I kind of believe that because if he was, then, you know, when he's running his route and whatnot, he'd be wide open because he is in a lot of one on one looks. And there's just not a lot of times where he's just a man beater, you know. I don't know how how many times he could exactly beat an opposing corner just one on one and just be faster than them. Uh, and that's definitely a little bit of a problem here because he also played, was it 2A, Cody? Yeah, 2A football. Yeah, so, you know, I, I definitely have concerns about how much separation he could, he could get against faster corners. And so, so there you go. Uh, another thing about Nate here i think uh i think his explosiveness and acceleration could probably use some work for sure uh speed is a problem but you know you can't always work on that but explosiveness and acceleration you definitely could and i think with nate sometimes he does take a minute to kind of kick it into gear which could be improved and so i think in small spaces and whatnot he could definitely improve that and compensate for that lack of top end speed. You don't have to have like super great top end speed. To be honest, as long as you have a sliver and whatnot and you continue to win those leverages, which he does, then you're you're good. But you do have to compensate a little bit for not having, you know, like man beating speed because since he is a possession guy, that means he has to get, you know, to that top end speed a little bit faster when he gets the ball. Just because on that next level there's no guarantee that he'll get the ball as much as he did in in high school. So uh, for me, those are the biggest things with uh, Nate here. What about you, Cody? What are some areas of concerns that you have on uh, Nate Gravino? So, obviously, the 2A competition is really rough because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think there's a lot of great competition from cornerbacks at the 5A level Yeah. Uh, in this state. And then, obviously, as you go further down, um, it gets less and less impressive, in my opinion. But, you know, other than that, uh, I do want to kind of talk about a little bit about the scheme and then also some things as a route runner. Uh, I think his bubble routes are pretty rough. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the backpedal bubble. Um, I definitely prefer more of like the side run or, you know, like getting more depth off the get-go on yeah. bubble routes. And I think that that's a shared value uh, on the next level. I think that the bubble routes just in high school in general are pretty rough. But uh, I would definitely say to Nate to like, watch bubble routes on the next level and then work on that because it is a completely different type of movement uh that you're used to and i think that you know being able to it, like it, with a guy like you who's better with the ball in his hands um it, it's better to be able to run those kind of routes for the next level at this point and then also uh, this is going to sound kind of repetitive but you know nate is quick but he's not fast and so like you know, he, he's able to make plays, but there's definitely times where some of these other guys on the list would have been able to finish the play, if that makes sense. Um, I also want to say that Nate does benefit quite a bit, I'd say, from partially the scheme. Um, there's a uh, sprint out in the uh, Campbell playbook that is pretty money, I'd say, for anybody who runs it, as long as you can catch the ball, which we know Nate can. So, you know, a lot of Nate's yards and plays can come off of those sprint fives. Um, and, and it's built to be a short, quick gain uh, between five to 10 yards. So I could see that contributing to a lot of his overall numbers and uh, contributions. But 
you know, um, talking about outlook a little bit now. I do know that, you know, he's getting at least looks from CSU and CU. I'm pretty sure as a preferred walk-on more than anything else. Okay. And then I, th I think it might have been... It was some school in California. It might have been Fresno, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, okay. At, at, once again, as a preferred walk-on kind of deal. And I also know that CSU Pueblo is super interested in Nate. I think CSU Pueblo would be a super great fit for Nate. Um, and I think that Nate would be an excellent player on the D2 level. But I don't want to say that Nate can't play Division One football. I definitely think that Nate, regardless, is a scholarship guy. And um, I think that he could even succeed quite a bit on the FCS level. Um, just because he can do anything that you ask him to. And, you know, I'd even say that his defensive film didn't look that bad either. So I wouldn't, as a coach, I wouldn't be too worried about bringing Nate in and then just seeing what position we need filled and then asking him to fill in there. Um, and I think that he's a guy who's, you know... Like you said, he looks a little bit bigger than 190, so I think he can get even bigger if you ask him to play other positions. And uh, I definitely would want Nate on my team. So <clears throat> to any coaches or programs listening out there, look at Nate Gravagno out of Inglewood High School. He's going to be super dynamic for your program, and he's going to make plays, and he's going to score a touchdown uh, no matter where you put him. Um, on the field. He, he'll force a fumble on special teams and take it to the house if he needs to do it to score that way. And uh, he'll give you his all. Simon, what are your thoughts on Nate's outlook? Okay, so with Nate, uh, I think he's a D1 guy. I don't know about FBS. That's kind of a, maybe a little bit of a tough ask, but I think FCS, he could probably snag a full ride somewhere. I don't know where. I would throw out UNC by no we just got like five or six like grad transfers all from power five schools basically um so that obviously wouldn't be the best spot because there are five or six grad transfers plus our boy Sam Flowers make sure you check out that interview but I <laughs> I, I just don't know if there's a spot in Colorado that would be the best fit I think if he was to walk on at a CU CSU that wouldn't be bad either but I think it's important to keep in mind the kind of talent that's coming in there as well. And so with Nate, you know, the last thing I'd like to, the last thing I want to see for Nate is for him to walk into a situation where he's taking out loans to go to, you know, school and to uh, compete on a football team that may not even give him looks and whatnot. And so I like the CSU Pueblo look. That'd be great. But I also think if he was to look out of state, there are a number of potential FCS schools that, that could honestly use him and that could coach him up and that could move him around and see where his best fit is. Because with Nate here, I think we just got a straight football player. And with the football players, you know, those are great because that means uh, you can move them wherever and they'll do their job and they're reliable. Like I said with Nate, you know, he's a reliable guy. I think you could definitely rely on him uh, uh, to make some big plays somewhere. Um, so there you go. I just don't know in Colorado where that might be but I do think maybe if he was uh, I'm just going to throw out some big sky names maybe if he was to check out Montana Montana State <laughs> it's really killing me to say all of these names that are basically all UNC rivals uh, but 
I do think he could probably snag a full ride from Montana, Montana State. Basically anywhere in the big sky, to be honest. So just look up schools that Northern Colorado plays, go to them, and I'm sure they'd love to take on Nate. Because I think he's a baller. I think he's somebody who can be a number one receiver and be somebody that attracts multiple guys onto him. And, um, you know, and then you see where you go from there. Because he's also a great blocker and whatnot as well. So wish the best to Nate. I think he's a baller. I think he's great. I'm just not super sure about his, about what's best for him here in the state. I think there are much better opportunities out of state for Nate here. Absolutely. So. I was just going to say the Big Sky is a good place to look oh, for yeah. opportunities for Nate. I definitely think he's an FCS Division One player, um, and I think he's somebody who, honestly, as as a freshman, could be asked to play special teams. Yeah, uh, same. Straight out the gate, which is not something that we say very often here. Um, on Playmakers Corner, if you're familiar. Um, obviously, would a, red sh a redshirt does everyone good, but I think Nate is one of the few guys who could come in and immediately play. Um, it, just because of his versatility and uh, what he brings physically. Yeah, so. no, for sure. Uh, and I also brought up like those big sky teams because I also think if he was to be a walk-on guy at like a Montana, Montana State, if he was to become a special teamer and then slowly work himself up the depth chart... I think there's a better chance that he could earn that full ride scholarship sooner than later at one of those schools rather than CU. So, and we're, we'll talk we'll about CU here because they already, they snagged some of the top receivers in the state already, but we'll have that coming up next. Uh, Cody, do you have anything else to add on to Nate here? Uh, I don't have anything else for Nate, but if you want to introduce our number four <laughs> receiver of the class of 2021, Colorado Playmakers, I won't stop you. All right, I'll go for it. All right, so our fourth guy on our list of the top five receivers in the state of Colorado, our fourth guy here, it's Josh Rowland. Is it Rowland or Rowland? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll <laughs> go with Josh Rowland out of Boulder, Colorado, Fairview High School. Like I said, class of 21. I believe he's 6'1", 190. Is that right, Cody? 6'3", 185. Wow, okay, never mind. 6'3", <laughs> 185. So let's uh, let's talk about Josh uh, Rowland here. So he's a first-year starter. Is that right, Cody? Yeah. At least from what we could see, and so, which is interesting, you know, because he's a, he's a talent for sure. I think, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how many of y'all out there listening to this really expected uh, Josh uh, or really, expect, really expected for Josh to be here at number four. Uh, because he kind of came onto the scene this year. Obviously, it was a COVID year. Things were crazy. And then, of course, like I like we talked about before, they were transitioning from um, their former longtime starter, Aiden Atkinson, to this year's quarterback, the senior in Liam O'Brien. And there's just a lot going on. But Josh, somehow, you know, he did his thing. And he stood out. And there's some, uh, there's some really interesting positives here. Uh, just to throw this out there, I would say numbers aren't the greatest, but it's a COVID year, so I think everyone is willing to, like, you know, not, like, worry about it as much. Uh, but just to throw out numbers, just so just so y'all know, he had 25 receptions on 431 yards and three touchdowns uh, in, in basically half a season, I believe. Could be wrong, though. But, Cody, do you mind if I talk about some of the strengths here with Josh here? Go for it. All right, cool. I won't take too many of them. All right, so with Josh, first off, the size, that's great. I think he has D1 size for sure as a receiver. And 
look, we mentioned this before, cornerback play just in this state maybe isn't the strongest unless you're going up against like 5A, like Cherry Creek and like those kind of guys. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So with that being said, we kind of got to go for receivers that maybe have a little bit more size to them who don't need to compensate for as much. And so Josh here, like you said, Cody, he's at 6'3", 190, and it shows. He makes big-time plays. He's someone who could, most, in my opinion, he could catch a jump ball as 101 for sure. He has very reliable hands, very strong hands. And uh, even if he's not catching jump balls deep, you know, he's... He's a playmaker, you know. When he gets the ball in his hands, I think he's somebody who's dangerous and he's very scrappy. He has a very high motor to him as well. Uh, another thing I really like about Josh, for someone who's a little bit taller, he definitely has some really good speed to him as well and agility. Like in an in ah, sorry, I can't talk. Inside the um, hash marks, he's pretty quick, I would say, and he's a little slippery, at least when running routes and whatnot. And um, while we're on that note, because he does because he does play for Fairview, and because they are one of the few really successful spread teams in the state he does run a bunch of routes inside outside which you really can't say even about some of the guys at the top of this list to be honest so so there you go and so for me those are the biggest things i really liked about josh here but cody what about you what are some uh positives of josh Rowland? Well, the first thing that I saw about Josh is is the high motor. And you can see that because one of the first plays on his highlight reel, he breaks like three tackles and just like does everything he can to get into the end zone. So Josh is a guy, he likes to win. Well, everyone likes to win, but you know, I think I think he's, you know, willing to put it all on the line and, you know, make sacrifices in order to get what he wants. And so I really like to see that. Um, I think he has, when I was watching his film, I just thought, you know, his gloves, I thought they might have had stick them on him, man. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not actually accusing Josh of uh, cheating. I'm just saying his hands are that good. Like, yeah. he really just... And there's some guys who don't even catch with their hands as well as Josh that end up being ahead of him on this list. So, you know, he has some really good hands. And he'll catch... And he has a pretty good catch radius, is what I'll say. Um, and, you know, that's, that's something that you definitely want in a wide receiver is... You know, you could throw it in the vicinity of them and then they can make a play on it. And I think you talked about that really well, just talking about, you know, he can win one-on-one -on -one jump balls and he can get up there. I also want to say that Josh has one of the better releases in this state, which is surprising because, A, Josh is the only one-year starter that's on our entire list. So, spoiler alert, there's no other first-year varsity starters on this list. Um... So to see that Josh's release was as refined as it was, because releases are one of the things that a lot of receivers in high school don't get right. I was talking to Simon about this before the show. It's just a lot of receivers fall backwards before they move forwards. And Josh at least doesn't go backwards when he does his release, which sure. is all that you really want to see out of a high school receiver going to the next level. Um, I also think that Josh is super strong and, uh, you know, it's one thing to have a high motor, but it's another thing to constantly stave off defenders with really strong stiff arms. He's somebody who can actually move an entire defender with a stiff arm, and um, he he's able to push through a lot of tackles. So his leg and arm strength is definitely some of the best of a receiver in the state, and I think uh, comparable to even tight ends in the state as far as strength goes. So... That, those are some things that I really like about Josh. And uh, in his first year as a starter, he had 30 catches for 508 yards and four TDs. So 
You know, obviously the TDs don't really jump off the page, but 500 yards in your first year as a varsity starter is really impressive, especially given that there's like no off season um, this past year. So for him to be as, you know, as I said, refined as he was, was super impressive. And um, Simon talked about it a little bit too. You know, they run a lot of routes and like all of these guys that I have on the list, um, they run more than hitches and go routes and out routes, which is basically what the rest of the state exclusively runs. Yeah. And they can do those same routes better than almost anyone else in the state. So I just wanted to clarify on that too, as far as another qualification I had for wideouts. But you mind if I talk about some areas of improvement for Josh? Yeah, for sure. Uh, quick clarification though. So it, it's 431 receiving yards and then three touchdown his uh, senior year. Yeah, senior year. He had, you know, he had 77 yards. (laughs) That's okay. He had 77 yards and a touchdown his junior year, which adds up to 508 and then four total. Oh, okay. That was his career. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. There we go. So, yeah, but you can tell by 77 yards his junior year that he wasn't out on the field all the time. No. But, But, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so for Josh, okay, (laughs) this is something that I used to do as a receiver sometimes. And uh, that's jump basically no matter what you're being thrown. Um, And part of the problem with that is you don't make as many big plays because you have to wait for your feet to come back on the ground. So you'll see Josh run a slant route and it's thrown right to his chest, but he jumps and he catches it. Or um, even on screens, he'll he'll jump to catch something that's... It's going to hit him right in the chest if he doesn't jump. So I think that I'll blame that a little bit on, you know, that... It is his first year starting at wideout on the varsity level. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it gave me a good chuckle because it, it reminded me of my playing days a little bit because <laughs> okay. I'm an old man. But also, you know, it, it is goofy to watch. And I definitely think that as a scout, they're like, why the heck is he doing that? Almost every time he catches the ball. So, Josh, you don't always have to jump. I recognize that you can jump and that you do win jump balls, but you know, in routes that are five yards deep don't require you to go up and get them. So just keep running and catch it and you'll make more big plays. Um, I also want to say on, as far as like blocking goes, you know, we talked about how great of a blocker Nate is. Josh, his eyes are never up whenever he's doing blocks and that's not going to work on the next level. Somebody will just throw you to the side, honestly. Um, So... I think he's definitely pretty raw on those things. And, you know, <laughs> we're going to say this once, we're going to say this twice, we're going to say it, you know, talking about a lot of prospects, you know, this year and in the future. Josh's top end speed isn't uh, insane. I'll say it that way. Um, but I do think he has pretty decent bursts to make up for it. But I don't think that you stop at pretty decent. I think you continue to improve on those things. Um and those are my areas of improvement and recommendations for Josh. Simon, what are some that you are thinking of? Yeah, so we, we're we going to come back to the whole spread thing real quick here. Um, I get it. It's a senior year. It was a COVID year. His stats weren't all that impressive. Uh, so there's that. I'm not going to hold that against him or, you know, hold on to that for too long. But he did play in a spread offense. So I'm going to be honest. There's probably a little bit more room here for him to be maybe a one-hit wonder because he really only played one full year 
and it was a COVID year, so it really wasn't a full year. And then in addition, you know, he played in a spread. So Josh, he was the third option on this entire team. Um, there's a couple other receivers that we'll talk about ahead of him. Notably, the top receiver for Fairview, he's not even a senior. He's a junior in Grant Page. And so with that being said, I feel like Josh just had a lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Really didn't have a bunch of... Just didn't like he you could tell he was again double teamed by anybody and to be honest you really can't double team any of these guys or you're gonna get like you're you're gonna get dotted up you know by fairview which you just can't do you know you gotta trust your corners to kind of do what they can and so there's that and that in my opinion might be a little bit of a problem i do wonder um well first off i wonder if he can make uh contested catches with more than one defender there. That's definitely something there as well. And then I also wonder if he could get open, you know, while getting defended by two players, a safety and a corner or whoever, you know. And so those are both definitely some areas of concern. Um, and yeah, honestly, I don't, you basically said a lot of the stuff I was going to say. Blocking is a little bit of a concern too. It could be cleaned up. Like, I don't expect any of these receivers to be great blockers. And, uh, I mean, Nate's an exception, but other than that, you know, if you're a great blocking receiver, then you're pretty much a tight end, and <laughs> we'll talk about tight ends later. Um, not this episode, but eventually. So, yeah, but with Josh, I do think with him, I mean, I, I'd like to see him get bigger for sure for the next level. I think if he was to hit 200 pounds at least, because he is like 6'3", so... Uh, there you go. Then he'll be good and he'll look maybe a little bit more prototypical um, of a more of a prototypical D1 kind of receiver. You know what I mean? And and then we'll just have to see. He'll just have to prove himself moving forward. I'll be honest. I don't know if there's enough film here for me to really nitpick as much as I probably can a lot of other players on this list, which in itself is kind of a problem as well. So, so there you go. But uh, let's you want to talk outlook real quick here? Yeah, sure. Uh, mind it. if I take a lead? Yeah, on? go for it. Yeah, so Josh, uh, for a lot of the reasons that we just discussed, uh, mainly, I'd say mainly how raw he kind of is. Yeah. And in addition, the system that he played in. Um, and we'll talk about one of our future receivers, spoiler alert, is also a Fairview receiver on our list. But um, I would, I don't know if I would offer him a D1, um, even at the FCS level. Yeah. I definitely think he... He could be like a partial scholarship D2 kind of guy, which it sounds weird that Josh's outlook um, looks a bit different than Nate's, but, you know, we're talking about this year specifically. Well, yeah. So I, I would say that, you know, Josh is a guy where if, Josh, if you're listening and if you want to go to the next level, I say that maybe you try, um, if you have any offers to D2, absolutely take them, but also don't rule out uh, junior colleges to refine your game, get more film, and show that, you know, if you can, that you can operate as a wide receiver one. Um, obviously, you know, at that next level, at the collegiate level, they want guys who are receiver ones more than they want guys who are receiver threes. Um, so if you can prove that, you know, at a smaller school and then grow from there into something else, then, you know, kudos to you. But I'm just saying, if you do have any of those D2 offers or JUCO or I'd even say like D3 offers, um, take them. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I do think it is weird. I guess uh, 
that he, his outlook is worse than Nate's. But that's because Nate is like a four-year, three-year starter, and Josh is a one-year starter during the COVID era. And to be honest, that's ba that's basically equivalent of him playing half a whole season. So uh, the most he's played any of the years in high school was half a season. So I'm just saying, you know, that affects his recruitment more than anything. I think the ability is there, and I think he's a very under-the-radar type of guy who could be really good. I just just I just know like as a you know as someone who does scout a little bit and who knows some college coaches it's gonna be hard for coaches to really get themselves to the point where they could be like oh yeah I'm gonna offer this guy a full ride without having like without inviting him over for workouts or visits or anything because you can't do that right now with COVID and so that's kind of where Josh basically gets screwed over by COVID here just because, you know, he doesn't have a chance to really go to college and showcase, like, you know, showcase his ability as much as some other guys uh, can, which is, it's just reality, you know. So I do think, honestly, maybe he does go to a JUCO. Um, like I said, I've been saying this, not in Colorado. Go to a JUCO, like, um, I don't know. The closest one is Kansas, so the Jayhawk Conference, that's one of the best JUCO conferences in the in the whole country. You'll get noticed there. Um, you know, it's not as expensive as any of the colleges in Colorado, to be honest. And I, I honestly think it's good for him because it also means he's not completely settling. Say he is a true D1 type of guy and number one receiver type of guy. He will have that opportunity to prove it on the JUCO level without being committed there for four years. He only has to do one to two years, really. Um, and you never know. You know, we've seen... Well, wait a second. Sam Sam Flowers, he went to Juco for one year and then left and got a full ride to UNC, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so there you go. That's someone that we've had on the show. And by the way, check that out again. I know I already plugged it, but you can't plug it enough because um, that was really good. And I think, you know, that's, that's just a testament to what Juco's could do for you. And I really don't want to see Josh settle. And I think he can get a full ride to a D1. But at the end of the day, it comes to proving, you know, proving himself, not just to us, because we have him at number four on this list, but to everyone else. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. I also think that Josh is the only single sport athlete on this list. Yeah. Which is another concern. Um, obviously, if you're a receiver, you're basically expected to be like the multi-sport guy. Yeah. Um, as a testament to your athleticism. Also, the Sam Flowers episode is episode 10 for anybody who may be lost. So... Go ahead and find that anywhere that you find our podcast. They're of Playmaker's Corner, by the way. Just, just. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Not just episode 10 of any yeah, podcast, yeah, but yeah. Playmaker's Corner. So, there you go. But I I like Josh uh, Rowland. I'm pretty sure I changed his last name at least two or three times <laughs> this uh, segment. So, apologize on that. But, Josh, you know, hey, it's going to come down to you proving yourself to seeing uh, what you could do on the field and you know, we'd love to have you on the show sometime. So best of luck, man. Yeah, we appreciate uh, anybody who puts film out there for us to watch and do breakdowns on. So uh, best of luck to Nate and Josh at our number five and number four, respectively. But coming up next, we have numbers three and two. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. This is episode 19. We're back at it talking about the top receivers in the state. And last segment, we ended it off with talking about, about Josh Rowland out of Fairview High School. 
We're going to bring him back and talk about another Fairview receiver here in Jay Berry. He's 6'2", 175. Just transferred to Fairview High School uh, this year for his senior year, I believe. But the last couple years, I believe he was a starter on the varsity level since his sophomore year. Um, attended Denver East. But he transferred to Fairview, in my opinion. it's a, It was actually a pretty smart move, not going to lie. And so, do you want to... Let's get into this. So, do you want to start with... I guess areas of improvement first here. Okay. Uh, do you mind if I go first? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So with Jay Barry here, uh, look, he transferred to Fairview. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that go on when you transfer, you know, between chemistry and learning schemes and all that. Uh, but some of the things that I feel like he just didn't do a lot was just blocking you know i feel like he just didn't block a lot compared to the to josh i feel like jay definitely de didn't block as much as he could have and i don't doubt that he can do it i just didn't see a lot of above average blocking i would say and so there's definitely doubts there like we said he does play in a spread offense so you know it's not he doesn't necessarily have to block all the time because if they are running it they're most likely running it um, a couple different directions and then you know the corners spread out anyway so it's it's it comes down to spacing of that so for me that's definitely something that um that shows up and then another thing i feel like he runs a little high like he doesn't run as low and as balanced as he could and i know that because he gets shoestring tackled a lot i feel and he's somebody who runs a four six uh, i don't know is it a four six i yeah, so yeah, he runs he runs around a four six forty, and to be honest, there's no reason he should be getting shoestring tackled like that. If you listen to my last breakdown, um, or I guess request where we I did a bunch of breakdowns, I talked about Sean Kidd, and he runs a four six as well, and I feel like he didn't get shoestring tackled as much as Jay did here, but. That's just me. I feel like he could definitely improve his lower body strength and, you know, run a little bit lower, run with a lower center of gravity. And then, in general, um, I he was in the slot a lot at Fairview. He did play outside at Denver East. There's some film there for sure. But I would like to see him, you know, maybe work a little bit more outside and deal with more press because we really didn't see him work uh, against a lot of bump and run type of corners because he didn't have to deal with a lot of those while working in the slot and so that does make me wonder you know if he holds up well against bump and run type of corners and if he could beat those kind of corners and you know hand fight release all that stuff so those are some things I do wonder about Jay like I said a lot of these things have to do with him transferring and I understand that but I just felt like I had to throw that out there. Uh, so if I was a scout looking at Jay for the first time, just looking at mostly senior film because that's obviously the best version of him as of right now that's on film, that's just what I see. So there you go. But what about you, Cody? Yeah, so I'm obviously going to echo some of the things that you said. Um, one of the weaknesses that I put was he plays off balance, and that's like all the time. And that's obviously from having just too high of a pad level. Um yeah, he just, I was thinking the same thing. It looks like he's, like, stumbling half the time on his film. Just a little um, bit. After he catches the ball, which is obviously not, you know, it's a red flag from a skill position guy because they're supposed to be, like, the most balanced people on the team, really. Um, other than, like, you know, maybe running backs, I'd say. Sure. Um, so, <clears throat> that was definitely a red flag for me on Jay. Um, 
I also want to say that when he did play outside um, in the film and we saw him against press, he did not get off of it super impressively. So I would say that he's not really an outside receiver. I mean, he can run the routes on the outside, which is, you know, it's good and all, but like, dude, the, the cornerbacks get so much stronger at the next level. And, you know, some of them and including guys that we've talked about on the show, like Ray John and nation. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, please go ahead and give them a listen. That was episodes, I believe like nine and eight. Yeah. Episodes nine and eight of playmakers corner nation and Ray John, right. You know, those cornerbacks, those are Juco cornerbacks and they shove receivers to the ground. Yeah. Um, within five yards. And Jay has to work on that. Otherwise he could end up being on a Ray John or a nation's highlight reel. And you never want to be, put on a DB's highlight reel as a wide receiver because that means the play didn't go right for you. Yeah. Um, and Jay should know that because he also plays defensive back at Fairview as well and uh, made some plays as far as interceptions go. But yeah, his his balance is a huge concern and I think that also kind of plays into why he isn't super successful against press. Um, and those are obviously red flags for me if I'm trying to find a guy because it's like, well, if you struggle against press in, in high school sports, it, it only gets significantly worse at the next level. Right. Um, I also say that uh, Jay Barry, out of all of these guys, uses his body the most out of any of these receivers to catch the ball. Um, not to say that he can't catch with his hands, but to see him make as many plays catching the ball against his body as he does is a bit of a concern because, I mean, that's how deflections happen and interception happen is you try and bring it in through your body and somebody punches it out rather than just catching it with your dang hands and turning up field. Um, and I think once again, that just comes down to body control. Um, so I think that Jay, if you're listening by focusing on body control and balance and, you know, just operating at a lower level and it's, it's shown that, you know, obviously the lower you are, the better your center of gravity is. So working on that could solve a lot of your problems. Um, And that's just, you know, that's coming from a wide receiver coach uh, to definitely work on, you know, I'd say do a bunch of core workouts and then, you know, (laughs) you don't want to run through the shoots because that's not for you, but you, you need some kind of way where you're running routes under a certain level of height. Um, And, and that relates to your release that relates to you running with the ball that relates to, everything as a wide receiver so definitely operate at a lower height um but with that being said for those areas of improvement for jay that kind of fall into a bigger umbrella i do think he is the number three receiver on this list for a reason and he's the number three receiver in the state for a reason in our eyes and so simon if you don't mind i would like to jump into those strengths yeah sweet so jay jay oh man when he does, here's here's the thing about Jay that makes me kind of question um, why his center of gravity is such a concern is because his routes are pretty good from inside the slot. Oh yeah. Um, he's able to turn defenders' hips and then go the opposite way. He has great cuts and burst on his routes, and also has great cuts and burst while having the ball in his hands. He's super dynamic with the ball in his hands and. You know, I think he cheated himself out of multiple touchdowns this year because I feel like even with all the concerns that we talked about, he's still a threat to score a touchdown on any play. Um, Obviously, this was his defensive film, but he scored a 105-yard touchdown 
on an interception return. Yeah. So that's not – you're not a bad player if you can score a 105-yard touchdown, um, obviously. And that comes from, you know, his ability to cut back and forth and have, um, once again, excellent field vision. I think Jay shows that over and over again, whether it's interception returns or catching the ball. I trust Jay with my life on screen routes um, as far as, you know, getting getting a first down if I yeah. need it. If it's fourth and ten, I think Jay can get you a first down. He'll stumble past the first down, but he'll get it for you. And so I think that between his vision and, you know, just his agility, um, he's super dynamic with the ball in his hands and is, is a threat to make plays. And uh, that's why he's on the Playmakers Corner podcast right now being talked about is because... You know, he, he runs solid routes. Um, and I think that, re- granted, he struggled against press on the outside. I think he's smart enough and talented enough to run plays on the outside, uh, given the right looks. Um, I was able to see him run some screens from the outside as well. And uh, he had some pretty good uh, hitch and goes as well that I was a huge fan of, where he just shook the cornerback into another state. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that was obviously super fun to watch. And uh, just to talk about Jay's stats a little bit, in his first year here at Fairview, he had 39 receptions for 523 yards and five TDs. But I'll pass it over to Simon. Simon, what are some impressive things you saw from Jay? Yeah, so I'm here. I'm going to kind of start by telling a quick story here. So I first found out about Jay Barry. I, I don't know. It was really early in the morning. I was just scrolling Twitter because I'm a teacher. I was trying to get ready, and so those early morning grinds are tough. But I saw that the DB coach from Cherry Creek High School, I believe it's Coach Askew, he's also um, part of the UNC Hall of Fame, by the way, um, just recently inducted, and he's a great coach over there. He made a tweet about Jay calling him the most athletic receiver in the state, which is interesting because (laughs) Cherry Creek has one of their own top receivers in the state. And I'm going to be honest, I do think Jay, Jay Barry here might as well be the athletic uh, receive, most athletic receiver in the state. He's just straight up explosive, has great acceleration. Um, you know, you mentioned his agility. He's dangerous in open space. Uh, and with his agility as well, I think his footwork is extremely clean and he has a very quick feet. Um, he runs extremely good routes and a variety of them at that. Uh, and so that variety of just speed and agility and just clean footwork and routes makes him just dangerous wherever, you know. Uh, in addition, I do think he's a pretty physical player for someone who's only listed at 175. Or is it 185? I have him listed at 175 right here. It's, I could be wrong. Um, I'm pretty sure he weighs 175, maybe even less, if I'm going to be completely honest. He's, he says 180 on his... Uh, on his film, I think it said 180 or on Huddle, but okay. there's some controversy <laughs> on the 170 to 180 range. So, Jay, if you're listening, uh, care to explain, you can come on the show. But yeah, anyways. you could send a picture of a weighing scale, to be honest, because I don't know about all that. <laughs> Rajon and Nation, right, they have about the same build, and they're closer to 170. And so I'm just going to throw that out there. But uh, with that being said, though, regardless of weight, he is pretty strong. For someone at that, and he's very physical, uh, fights for a lot of yardage, and to be honest, he's elusive and uh, has all the speed and all that anyway, so it's not like that's the biggest deal anyways, and so, um, yeah, I got though all of that out there, and then 
I mean, the fact that Jay Creek's DB coach is saying that about Jay Barry, that's high praise from somebody who coaches some of the best DBs. And, you know, and then obviously that team this year was stacked all around. So I think he would know a thing or two about really good receivers. And so uh, with Jay Barry here, in my opinion, he was really close to taking that number two spot. And there's definitely a conversation there for number one for sure. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, one, one through three, it's pretty close. Like we're splitting hairs <laughs> we're splitting a lot of hairs um just to throw this out there so so there you go but yeah i just think he just has a lot of potential um you know that move to fairview was great he got to show off a lot of different routes and i think that was big time and in my opinion i believe that directly affected his recruiting and so cody do you mind if i go into outlook here absolutely you were just talking about his potential so where do you think that takes him yeah, so I think he's a D1 guy for sure. Uh, I could see him going FBS. I think there are plenty of FBS schools that could use a guy like Jay Barry, who's just explosive, has the height, has the size, all that stuff, um, and is a playmaker for sure. I think a lot of FBS schools could use him. As of right now, though, so he, it's it was interesting because uh, I, I told you that story about seeing Coach Ace Q, um, I hope I'm saying his name right, talking about Jay and saying that he's one of the most athletic receivers in the state. But what happened here is that, and I gotta, I gotta frame it here. I gotta frame it because it's really interesting. But what happened is that basically Jay got offered by uh, Florida International FIU. And then he gave them a verbal commitment on December 8th, 2020. Ironically, that same day, Coach retweeted his tweet saying that he verbally committed and said, word for word, will CSU offer the most athletic receiver in the state? And then he tagged, um, I think this is CSU's wide receiver coach, uh, Coach Perkins. Or if it's not CSU's wide receiver coach, then he tagged a coach. And so he said that. And then four days later, Jay received or tweeted out, uh, you know, truly honored to announce that I received an offer from Colorado State. Thank you, coach and the Rams for the opportunity. And then on that same tweet, we see our very own QB1, Luke McAllister, say, stay home, fam, with the Ram emoji, trying to recruit Jay here. So I'm going to be honest, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know if he's committed or if he's flipping. It sounds like he's flipping. I think CSU would be a great fit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this would be probably more... <laughs> CSU getting a guy like Jay Barry would be more of a steal than anything, uh, to be honest. Because you got CU, they've you know they're competing for guys, and we'll talk about that here. And just a spoiler alert: the next two guys on our list are both CU players, and so I do think it would be fitting if Jay Barry was to go to CSU. As of right now, in my opinion, I think that's the best. Uh, just straight up, that's just the best offer. He has. I think CSU is a little bit better than FIU. I like what they're building over there with Coach Adazio. They've been recruiting really hard. They got the they got the number one quarterback in the state and McAllister going there. Uh, Cody, I think you mentioned Mason Veeve uh, or Vivi. Yeah, Mason Veeve. Uh, I've been saying Veeve, but Mason Veeve oh, okay. just committed to CSU as well. So there you go. And he's a running back. So they're building something. And I don't know. I'd really like to see him go to CSU. But like I said. Wouldn't be surprised if he was an FBS guy. I could potentially see him even make it as, like, just athleticism-wise, I think he's a power five receiver uh, for sure. You know, I think there's a lot of other things, like, technical and skill-wise he could work on. 
before he becomes, I guess, skillfully a power five receiver uh, on that level. But athletically, I think he's there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got more. Honestly, Jay Barry, he's going to be a steal for whatever team that picks him up. So there you go. But well, what do you think, Cody? Well, about, I, first I, off, about all of this, about all of it, and then Outlook. Well, <laughs> also, if you look at the tweet, um, there's, like, deleted comments on it. Oh, there is. So um, that's kind of <laughs> juicy, and I really wish that I saw what it was. Um, and the comments below it are, erase this, and didn't really think that one through, did you? So I don't know. Um, I don't know what the status is on that. But um, I definitely think that... I would rather see him at CSU than Florida International um, because A, I love Colorado guys staying in state and I think that CSU needs to do this if they want to continue to be taken seriously. When your QB1, that as in CSU, from CSU's perspective, when your yeah. QB1 says stay home fam, um, you want to try and make Luke McAllister happy too. Sure. Um, so I think that getting Jay would be huge um, to commit and I think that... Um, you know, obviously, a verbal commitment is a bit easier to get out of than, um, like, uh, An actual commitment. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah, a whole commitment. So, I definitely think that I like Jay at CSU. Um, I think that Jay arguably could contribute on multiple sides, of the, maybe all three facets of the game for CSU, if I'm being a thousand percent honest. Yeah. And... Oh my gosh. I, I'm really glad that you brought it up because I was looking through his Twitter earlier. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot going on here. And, yeah, uh, and that CSU offer was the last thing he tweeted. That was December 12th. Um, that was like two weeks ago as which, of today. As of today, December 26th. And then obviously this thing will be coming out on New Year's way, right? Yeah, New, New Year's. Year's. Day, uh, New Year's Day, January 1st. Uh, by the way, Happy New Year's. I don't think we said that. Oh, yeah. Time, Happy so. New Year. Yeah, we 2020 can... is over. <laughs> <laughs> the 2020 it. part two That's now. It. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's not go there. But as of right now, unless Jay Barry literally in between this Saturday and Friday switches, he's he's caught between two schools. To be honest, if other schools are smart, uh, they will take a look at this kiddo and try to snag him as well. Because, like I said, he's probably one of the best kept secrets in the state. So, one of the best. I, Jordan Wolverton's up there too, but, you know. And Leslie Richardson the third, he's up there for sure. Yeah, so. well, he should already have an offer to a big school. But he just does, That's just... People are just being silly about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really like the idea of Jay Barry at CSU. I think it would be an absolute steal. I think he he's a power five talent, um, just athletically speaking. For sure. So... Please. No stars, by the way, I don't think. Oh, that's... Jay Barry, then. Blasphemy! Yeah. Blasphemy! It is. On, it is. on Jay Barry with zero stars. Jay Barry is a very uh, talented guy, um, and I think he'll make whatever team he's on better. Uh, I, uh, as far as outlook and development, I say please redshirt him um, yeah. so that he has the most amount of time to work on um, his core and his pad level. Because sure. he's this good already with, like, those are kind of big red flags to me. Um, and if he can get those sorted out, and I think by giving him a whole year and, like, our, obviously, like, this offseason heading into his uh, final semester of high school, um, I think the more time you provide him, the better. And that as a sophomore, he could be really, really good. Um, yeah. As a redshirt freshman, I think he could start if he gets those things sorted out. 
And I think that he could be a thousand yard receiver his first year playing. Um, For sure. Which sounds bold, but I really think that highly of Jay Barry. Yeah, it's not that bold, to be honest. In my opinion, he's just one of the best athletes in the state, period. And, you know, we'll talk about, he's here at number three. The next two guys, like I said, they were ahead of him by, well, some of them were ahead of him by hairs, to be honest. So, so there you go. But with that being said, Cody, do you want to introduce our number two receiver in the state? Absolutely. So, senior-wise, that is. Yes. So, uh, our number two receiver in the state is Ty Robinson out of Eagle Crest High School, uh, one of the more um, prestigious high schools as far as football goes. And you'll be hearing their name quite a bit more as we go through our defensive backs, I'm pretty sure. Um, and Ty Robinson, well, once again, we'll start with uh, areas of improvement. Um, you know, Ty Robinson... It's going to sound weird to say this, but it's like, oh, by the way, he's six foot five, 190 pounds. So he's the biggest receiver on this list overall between height and weight. Yeah. um, As far as like the index would say. So seeing him against these cornerbacks is really just like kind of pointless, Um, which (laughs) if you watch these cornerbacks, you would understand what I mean. Like there's just some passes where it's like, obviously the cornerback isn't going to make a play on that because Ty is just so much bigger and stronger than them. So when we were talking about the cornerback play at the 5A level not being super impressive, this is exactly what we were referring to. And um, when he did get some good competition against, uh, you know, Cherry Creek, who has some of the best DBs in the state, they kind of locked him up. Um, yeah. Or to, well, to an extent. To an extent. Yeah, kind they, of. They, he wasn't Ty Robinson. Um the dynamic playmaker that we'll be talking about here in a few minutes. He was Ty, a wide receiver from Eagle Crest. So um, I also wanted to say that uh, he doesn't have a wide variety of routes. Um, no. He's, he probably has the least variety of routes out of anyone in this top five because he's just so big that throwing go routes to him is pretty easy. And uh, they like to work him a bit in the middle of the field. But there's like no screens of him. So you don't really get to see him uh use vision at all to make big plays and that's something that all these other guys have been able to show whether that's on the scheme or whether that's on tie is up for debate i guess but i'm pretty sure eagle crest throws screens and they just throw it to other guys like uh langston who we'll talk about probably on another episode but um those are definitely some big concerns and then his and, and i don't and I think it's on his ability more than anything, if I'm going to be a thousand percent honest, because I know that Eagle Crest has the routes in the playbook to okay. be ran. Um, I also want to say that his release is kind of slow because he stands so tall on his release and he rocks back pretty hard to get going. Um, so he's basically taking a step backwards before he takes a step forward on any given play. Um and then a lot of teams are worried about getting beat by him running his go route. So the cornerbacks are playing like 10 yards off of him, no matter what play it is. So then he makes a lot of easy hitch catches and a lot of easy in routes um, for, for a bunch of yards at a time. And the one cornerback isn't going to tackle him by themselves. Yeah. So uh, there's definitely some concerns for Ty as far as like going to the next level and looking at those collegiate looks that he's going to get. Um, and I also think that he's pretty raw as far as a wide receiver goes. Um, and he definitely has some development to go. 
But, Simon, what are some areas of improvement you have to talk about, and then we'll get into the strengths. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so let me talk about some things with Ty Robinson here. Honestly, it's a lot of the same stuff uh, you said, so I'll just piggyback on that. Variety of rats, didn't really see it. I saw here. I wrote it down here. I should probably know these by heart because there are only three routes, but he runs the vertical, the post, and then the hitch. <laughs> That's it. I didn't see any out routes. I didn't see no comeback routes. I didn't see any stop and goes, no sluggos, no no out and go, like none of that, to be honest. And I, I could see more of that. I also think when he does run those routes, he could be a little sloppy at times. There are times where he runs really good routes when he tries, I don't know if he exactly tries all the time when running routes, so that could definitely be more crisp in my opinion. And then uh, I want to talk about his release and working off the press a little bit more. You mentioned it with Cherry Creek. That Cherry Creek game was really interesting. So speaking of Coach Askew, or Askew, uh, the DB coach, he coaches one of the best corners in the state in Al Ashford, and that was really good. He might be one of our top guys on our cornerback list when we get there, but... Uh, with that being said, I felt like that would have been a really good test to see how good uh, Ty is against them and then Cherry Creek in general. And I'm not going to lie, you know, it kind of seemed like Al had the best of him uh, when playing against them. You know, sure, he got a couple catches, but it was the catches that Cherry Creek wants because, to be honest, they're going to outscore any team they play. And so when it comes to receivers or whoever, playmakers on the other end, their job on the defensive side is to just limit those guys if they're not dominating those guys. And so, Al, or um, not Al, sorry. Ty, he would, like, struggle against press. And you could see him having a taking a really long time working against Al and, you know, just getting caught up on the press. Sure, he'll catch a couple of curl routes, but he never really showed that he could, like, get true separation from Ashford and them boys over there at Cherry Creek. And so, for me... That's concerning. We already talked about how some of the DBs in this state aren't the best. And I, look, this kind of just showed, you know. And so he did get exposed a little bit there. Um, he's still a talent. You know, he's still great. I just think that's a really big concern. And for, uh, for Ty here, I'd really like to see him work on a wider variety of releases. Just refining that release and whatnot. Because he's big, he can run, he can do all that great stuff. But it doesn't mean anything if you're getting stopped at the line and you take 10 seconds to run around. Which should realistically take maybe 4 to 5, if anything. So, there you go. But with that being said, Cody, you mind if I talk about some of the or a lot of the positives with Ty Robinson here? Absolutely. There are a lot. There are. Uh, so with his height and weight, there's a lot of potential there. So out of a lot of the receivers on this list, I think Ty might have the highest ceiling just because he has a great blend of athleticism. He's 6'5". You can't, you know, you can't teach someone how to be 6'5". He's also <laughs> 190, and, you know, he, he, he it shows, you know. Um... Look, just when he's catching passes and whatnot, he just has a very solid catch radius. You know, he uses heights well. He'll win any one-on-one jump ball situation as long as there's a chance for him to go get it. Has a great vertical. I'm pretty sure he has a 39-inch vertical, which is insane. <laughs> that's that's way bigger than any receiver on this list. And to be honest, maybe any athlete that we've done so far on this list or will do. And so that's insane for someone who's 6'5 to have a 39-inch vertical, which will only grow, to be honest, if he gets more explosive. So there you go. Uh, in addition, he's very good with the ball in his hands. 
Um, he, he makes a lot of people miss. He runs a little bit like a running back at times. He'll run over dudes. He'll do what he got to do. He's a great blocker as well. He extends well. He's physical. I mean, you know, he does about as well as he should against uh, corners that are shorter than him. So there you go. And he does his part very well there. When the And then this is the thing that I really like about uh, Ty Robinson here. But when the quarterback scrambles, he does a good job of helping them out and finding soft spots in coverage and improvising with the quarterback. There are not a whole ton of receivers on this list that are as good as Ty Robinson and just, you know, improvising. Like, it's not really a route. It's just like, all right, I'm going to find the soft spot in zone. I'm going to sneak around in man, and then I'm going to make a play. And because he has a great catch radius, you know, it that's a very big plus. So with the catch radius, with the athleticism, with that ability to just, find, just, to just get open, to be honest, that definitely does him a lot of favors. And last but not least... I kind of mentioned this here, but I do think he's a good route runner when he tries. He could be a very deceptive route runner at that, but that's when he tries, and I think there are times where maybe he doesn't give um, his 100 or even more than that. So that's just what I see. But, Cody, what about you? What are some positives of a Ty Robinson here? Yeah, so you already talked about some of them. Obviously, his catch radius is the biggest in the state of Colorado, I think, at least as far as wide receivers go. Um I haven't seen enough tight end film to say if it's the best of any pass catcher, but I imagine it's got to be up there. Yeah. Obviously, the size is a huge strength, um, and it, it's pretty unfair to a lot of other receivers that you know Ty really is just different. Um, he's yeah. just built different at six five, um, and he's Simon pointed out he's able to win any one on one jump ball basically, and you know he's able to win quite a few of one on two jump balls, and. I'm pretty sure he won, like, one 1v3 jump ball at yeah. some point during his highlight reel. So, you know, you just don't see that every day. No. Um, so, uh, obviously, you know, he's here at number two because he's the best in the state at a lot of things, just not everything. And, uh, you know, jump ball, he's he's the best jump ball guy in the state as far as I've seen thus far. Um, and he has excellent, excellent field awareness and... I think part of this stems from, you know, uh, the the routes that he does run because sometimes he does run spot routes and that's a pretty high football IQ route, honestly, because you have to find the soft spot um, in that coverage, you know, whether it's zone or man. And he found success doing it both ways because he's able to run really hard and then stop on a dime. Um, yeah. So it, it's a modified hitch, but I think it's a way higher football IQ hitch because, you know, it's not just 10 yards up the field and turn around. He's finding that area um, on the field. And I think that also opens up to what Simon was talking about, uh, lots of avenues for improv and for making even bigger plays. I also want to say that Ty Robinson has superb uh, like footwork and body control when it comes to catching the ball in the air. Obviously, you see that with the jump balls where he's able to put himself in a position and even box out. And you can kind of see the basketball player in him come out whenever he just... You know, he just sets his base, and the cornerback's not getting past him to catch the ball. Yeah. Um, but also, he has made great toe taps um, in both the end zone and by the sideline, and he shows good field awareness. Once again, you know, as far as knowing where the first down marker is as well, there's a lot of times where, you know, that down marker says three, and who gets the first down? Ty Robinson does. Um, so I think his 
He has super good field awareness. I think he has high enough football IQ to improve at some of the things that he's maybe not as good at. And, uh, you know, I think getting into the weight room as well is going to be a point of emphasis for Ty Robinson this offseason. But, you know, he has excellent body control. Um, if Ty told us that he took ballerina classes, I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, to any aspiring wide receivers out there, take ballerina classes. They seriously help your agility out so much. Um, they do. But, yeah, Ty, super, super balanced, great body control, great field awareness, and the best jump ball receiver in the state, as far as I know. Um and in his career where he's kind of played all over the place, his career stats are 73 catches for 1,525 yards and 9 TDs. And that's a pretty small sample size compared to some of these other guys. So uh, Ty Robinson, elite talent. Um, and Simon, you mind if I kind of talk? We've already kind of discussed his outlook, yeah, but just sure. go further into it. Go for it. Um, Ty is a redshirt guy, <clears throat> um, a thousand percent, I think, Yeah. Um, for, for CU. Sure. Um, especially because, you know, the program is, it's been going through a lot of turmoil lately. So like, um, I wouldn't want to throw them in so new, um, with like what they're trying to build. Um, and I'd really much rather him come in and play more when more of the supporting cast that's being sought out is there. Um, and I'd love to see him catch passes from Jordan Wolverton a thousand percent. Same. But yeah, I think, uh, a redshirt year is super important for him. We know that he's committed to CU. Uh, I think it's a great fit, honestly. Um, and I think that, you know, CU has, you know, the, they've produced some NFL talent over the past few years. Um, More you know, than it's, usual, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think a lot of those guys, you know, their base was that they're super athletic. And so for Ty Robinson to walk into the situation, I think that, um, you know, he definitely could be developed here. CU does have really solid facilities. And, um, you know, I think CU even gives our boy Ty Robbins here a chance to go to the NFL. Um, I don't want to say for sure. I don't want to call it a thousand percent like some other guys that we've said in the past. But I do think Ty Robinson has a chance at the NFL through CU. Agreed. Yeah, no, for sure. Agreed. Uh, with everything that is for sure, get a red shirt, you know. First off, just another thing with redshirt, it does help you adjust academically as well. So that's never a bad thing. So get that figured out for him. And then in addition, just skillfully, there's some things he'll have to work on. Just some things that, you know, he could do against Colorado talent, but he's not going to be able to do against a Texas corner or a Cali corner or a Louis, or definitely not a Louisiana corner. Um, Louisiana is low key, high key. Uh, factory for DBs in general. So there you go. And so he's going to have to get better. I say, you know, if LaVisca Chenault's around, hey, hit him up, work out with him, learn every single thing you can from him because, uh, you know, LaVisca has a great game. You know, he's, he got more technical over the last couple years for sure while he was at CU. And I think Ty Robinson can be that um, and maybe even more. So there you go. I like what I see from Ty Robinson. I think CU is a great fit. I know they have been a little dysfunctional, but they did only lose one game. That was to Utah, though, uh, this season, even though they only played like six games or five games. One of those. And that that Utah game is probably the worst, but I'd probably blame the quarterback more than anything there. So I think he'll be a great addition to CU. I think they're building something over at CU, and there's just a lot of potential. So... 
So yeah, hey, Ty Robinson, if you're out there, you know, reach out to us. We'd love to interview, man, and uh, see how you feel about going to see you and all that stuff. But I really like the potential here. I wouldn't call him the best, you know, jump ball player in the state just because I've seen three or four tight ends who could challenge him for that and who all, you know, play out at receiver as well, just as well as they play at the tight end spot. But he's up there for sure. I think receiver-wise, like, as someone who's strictly listed as a receiver on offense yeah he's one of the best jump ball guys in the state for sure but that being said up next we're going to talk about honorable mentions we have a lot way more than any other position so there you go and then we'll talk about our number one receiver in the state y'all probably know who it is but we're going to talk about him anyways coming up next and we are back on colorado playmakers class of 2021 wide receivers edition i'm one of your hosts cody stoffer and this is episode 19 and you know we've already plugged some episodes but you know in case you're just joining in somehow because you skipped to the end because you can't wait to hear who number one is um do listen to episode 10 the sam flowers story on playmakers corner podcast but you know first we got to do honorable mentions before we talk about the number one receiver in the state and um you know, there are a lot of honorable mentions because, you know, there are just so many receivers in the state. Um, there's a lot of movement. I I already talked about it. Simon talked about it. We watched a lot of film on these receivers. I probably watched the most film that I've watched yeah. on any position yet. For and, sure. you know, there are definitely some impressive guys. You know, you have, um, you have some guys over at um, Smoky Hill like uh, Damian Norman who looked pretty good, and um, I think Alec Pinkowski, I think was the other Pinkowski. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Smokey Hill guy. So, you know, you had those guys who had impressive years with LR3. Um, you have Caden Dudley and uh, Marcellus Reed out of Palmer Ridge, who both had phenomenal new, ph- ugh, phenomenal years. And Caden, uh, I know at the bare minimum, is committed to Boise State, so there's obviously a talent there. Um, then you have some other guys like Eli Bowman, Colt Miller, and uh, Colby Braslin, Gage Mestas, who plays with um, Jordan. Jordan Wolverton. There, there are a lot of guys on this list. Um, Blake Buxton. Blake Buxton out of Lamar, um, who almost got a state championship, but ran into uh, an Eaton team that was uh, a bit too much, but he was making plays all year and was arguably the only reason that Lamar was in the state championship from what I could see on the film. Um, yeah, he made a lot of plays in that game, too. Like, low-key, if Lamar won, he would have won MVP. So, Blake is super good, uh, super dynamic. So, there are just a lot of guys. Uh, Kayon Burris was one that I was looking at who racked up a ton of yards this year. Um, but I do want to give a particular shout-out to uh, these three guys who sent in their film through Instagram or were requested via some other means. And I do want to let you know, uh, Carter Casson out of out of Evergreen, who played with our number four quarterback, Griffin Loritano. Once again, if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and listen to our top five quarterbacks episode. And uh, Jay Sean Leba and uh, Cade. Oh man, Unberhagen. Unberhagen. Thank you, Simon. Yeah. Simon clutching the last names because I don't know how to read. Watch that but... be completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay. it, it sounded Come good, on. but I do want to yeah. let know. Uh, Cade, Carter, and Jay Sean. Um, you guys will be the next request episode that I focus on. So I will get your guys' episode out. Thank you so much for listening to this. 
and everyone who's listening to this, stay tuned for Carter, Jay, Sean, and Cade's episode. They are also talented guys. Uh, we talked about how hard this list was to make. Um, I was even thinking about maybe doing a top 10 receivers instead of a top five, but uh, sorry, that's just how consistency goes. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is the top five edition. So without further ado, uh, Simon, you want to talk about our number one receiver in the state of Colorado? Yeah, for sure. It's messed up how he's number one because this is the third. No, wait. No, it's not. He well, just because kidding. it was a tie for number one, he technically is the third. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was about to say second, but it it is the third Cherry Creek player to take the number one spot, <laughs> and that's Chase Penry out of Cherry Creek High School. Like I just said, uh, wide receiver, six two, two hundred. He's a three-star commit to the University of Colorado. So CU already taking the top two receivers in the state. Let's let's start about let's talk about areas of improvement first. Do you mind if I go? Sure, it'll be short. Yeah, there's not a lot. So number one, he played for Cherry Creek. And I'm not just gonna say that. I'm gonna talk about how that actually impacted his film. And so because he played for Cherry Creek, there's no team that could truly double team him as in have a receiver, have a safety, or throw multiple guys at him because you can't do that with Julian Hammond and James Walker are in the backfield and they could run it whenever. You gotta stack the box, to be honest. And then in addition, Cherry Creek has a tight end in Gunner Helm who you can't, you know, not pay attention to either because he's 6'5", 220, and he's gonna make some plays. Uh, look out for that tight end list. That's gonna be a fun one to do whenever we get to that. But... He just wasn't focused a lot. So we see this a lot with Chase here, more than probably any other receiver on this list. Uh, but he just had a lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities that maybe he didn't necessarily create. And it was just more the coaching staff moving him around and other teams basically having to pick their poison. Do you want Chase Penry to catch for 300 yards over you? Or do you want Julian Hammond and James Walker to combine for 300 rushing yards against you? Or they'll do both and you can't do anything. <laughs> and that's that. Uh, and then, uh, my bad. And then Gunnar Helm could also catch a... Uh, cool 100 over you as well as, uh, on the right day. And this so. isn't even addressing the underclassmen that are also talented at Creek. Yeah, no, not at all. These are all seniors. And to be honest, oh, and then you have Gus Linkus who sometimes is out there at fullback and you could catch some balls and run it in as well. So to be honest, I, you know, just to throw this out there with this Cherry Creek team, we'll say this a million more times. Uh, all these guys are probably Power 5 guys. And all of these guys, well, maybe not all of them, but a good amount of them are going to have a, their shot at the NFL. And I'd be surprised if maybe one or two of them don't make it there. So there you go. But Chase here, you know, I think that is his biggest thing. He just didn't see a lot of complicated defenses there. Um so there you go and then another thing is i do wonder and he can't control this because he just didn't play against corners in colorado that were over six foot really but i do wonder how well he could do against taller stronger corners who may be able to disrupt him better at the line um nothing against some of the corners in the state i'm just saying like if he was to go up against like a rajon or a nation right <laughs> how well could he actually hold up against guys who are a little bit taller who could you know jam him a lot better to be honest and don't get it twisted those guys are phenomenal corners they did their thing this last season with Oregon State they're NFL guys for sure probably but um, I do wonder how well he could go up against lanky or corners who could who has a little bit more speed to them so 
so yeah, that's basically it. That's all of my areas of improvement. And that's not even... Those aren't really areas of improvement. Those are just doubts. So, yeah. Um, and then I guess... I, okay, I could criticize this. He runs a 4.640. He doesn't run a 4.4. So... <laughs> that's it i mean i'm i'm sure he could get faster you know um to be honest he could probably like if he really worked at it he could probably shave off uh a couple of tenths of a second there and get down to a four five at least four four maybe but that's that but that doesn't you know your ability to run a 40 yard dash doesn't always decide how great of a football player you are so there you go but what about you cody uh well yeah obviously he played on creek um <laughs> he's he's really good so uh but i will say um you know uh chase he doesn't always release to the best of his abilities i'd say especially on plays where he knows he's not getting the ball like on run plays he definitely yeah. takes those plays off and uh, i mean this isn't the first time i've talked about this in a creek player um and i think that part of that is the security blanket that you have being on creek and being surrounded by a bunch of talent. Um, so that's a bit of a concern. And, you know, I think that uh, you need to act like every play you can get the ball. And, um, you know, with a guy like Chase, you want him to act like he could get the ball in every play because he really could get the ball on any single play. Um, so that that's a bit of a concern. I wish that his release was more consistent. And um, obviously um, downfield blocking isn't, the crispest but once again you know that that's what tight ends are for they're for blocking it's nice to see you know he did get like a pancake or two but the cornerbacks looked pretty tiny so sure um i'm not gonna buy too much stock into that is it time to just talk about the plethora of strengths yeah that Chase go has? for it okay. you could start so with i'll try not to take <clears throat> all of them i don't think i possibly could um chase has even though he doesn't show it on every play he has the best release in the state chase is the only receiver in this state of colorado who goes forward on his release um and that's on every play where he's running a route at the bare minimum which is pretty often chase is the best route runner in colorado he there's this one play that uh was sent to me by simon where it was in the state championship game he just has one of the top cbs in colorado all kinds of turned around on a on a fade route so um yeah, yeah his footwork <laughs> is i'm gonna be honest his footwork is probably the thing that's most ready for the next level and it's better than a lot of guys on the next level already and he's just a high schooler he can turn around dbs all the time and he can run any route that you ask him to and man you better hope that they don't run play action because then he's gonna score a touchdown because he'll, he'll pretend that he's going to run block you, and by the time that you've adjusted to that, it's too late. He's passed you, and uh, easy six. So I had a ton of fun watching Chase's film because of his routes and because of his release. And, you know, arguably those are like, you know, fundamental parts of being a receiver, but as we've talked about with all of these other wide receivers, um, a lot of the time coming out of high school, it's not polished, but Chase's is polished clean. And I will say that one of the strengths that he has and one of the reasons why I think uh, those work so well for him is in practice, he goes against some of the best DBs in the state and, um, you know, against a DB coach. And at, in addition, his coach was a wide receiver in the NFL, the head yeah. coach being Dave Logan. So Chase has a lot of things going for him as far as coaching staff goes. And I think that, you know, I'll just take this time to say that 
your where you are has a lot to do with uh, where you go sometimes. And uh, but a lot of the time people don't take advantage of that. But Chase most certainly did, and you can see it in just how ready to go he is. Um, and, and I think that he could play his first year at CU um, if I'm being a thousand percent honest. But done talking about what he does without the ball. I want to talk about what he does with the ball. He has phenomenal hands. He makes multiple one-handers for touchdowns in his highlight film between his junior and senior year. He's also a three-year starter. And he <laughs> he has 167 catches for 2,193 yards over his three years. And um, yeah, that's a lot of catches yeah. for, for those who don't keep track of like high school sports. He basically averages like uh, 50 a year, almost 60 a year. So, and, and he has 26 TDs and those are all receiving touchdowns too. Yeah. So, and, and I will say that it, geez, he's so good with the ball in his hands. He's super elusive. He has some of the best cuts, I think of any receiver and arguably any ball handler in the state. He can make cuts with the best of the running backs. I'd say he can really move on a dime. He has really good jukes. He catches mid-screens, uh, quick screens, tunnel screens, bubble screens. He plays inside and outside quite a bit. Um, he scores more touchdowns on the inside, I think, but he can score just as many on the outside. Chase Penry is a beast, in conclusion. And uh, I'll try and let Simon talk about something if there's any... Well, there's plenty left. I'll let Simon talk. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously I agree with all of that. Look, he's sneaky fast. I <laughs> I threw out the four six as maybe one of the only real weaknesses he has there, but I you can't always control that. But other than that, his acceleration and explosiveness needs to be accounted for. He could lull a corner to sleep and then just be gone, you know. He has sneaky fast speed and if a corner isn't paying attention or if they have their back to him, he could he could get a couple yards on him for sure and get that separation that needs to be had there. In addition, he has a 35-inch vertical, which is very underrated. He could get up there. He doesn't, you know, have to do a whole bunch of jump balls just because, you know, Julian Hammond, he usually puts the ball where it needs to be. And then, in addition, I guess you won't see him go up against a lot of double teams um, for the reasons I just said. But he could get up there for sure, and he has the ability to. He just hasn't had, I guess, that game opportunity to do that. Uh, so there you go. And then... I think the biggest thing that really, I guess, just showed up for me was just that he's just really good off the press. You know, he has multiple multiple moves to fight off the press. You know, his release off the press is really special. There's just a bunch of different releases that he'll throw out there. He would turn corners around consistently. And because of that, he always wins leverage. He always gets the right leverage. And just in general, he's just a very crafty receiver that is super technical. And honestly, like, he... Like, he's most likely not a man-beater all the time. But, you know, he'll work you inside. He'll work you outside for sure. And he's somebody who athletically, like, just I'm comparing him to other receivers in the country. Just athletically, like, he's not, I guess, super flashy or as explosive as other guys. But technically, like, he's somebody who will trick up corners. And he will win man-on-man or he will find the soft spot in zone or whatever. That's just who he is. And he's just a great receiver. He's phenomenal. And, um, yeah, I, like you said, Cody, there's just a lot of things I really like about Chase here. He is committed to CU. I think this is a great spot for him. I think, personally, um, like he was he was always a Power 5 guy for me. He probably could have went to 
a number of colleges. Oregon's one that comes to mind first, to be honest, just because of the system they run over there. I think that would have been great for Chase. Uh, the the Mississippi State with coach, oh my God, the former coach of Washington State. I think he would even be successful in Mike Leach's system over at Mississippi State. And low-key, if he was to go to an LSU or whatever, uh, that would have worked out as well. But he picks CU. That's fine. He gets to stay in state. Uh, he'll be he'll get to work with some of uh, the better players in Colorado that's going there, including the last guy that we talked about, Ty Robinson. And I do think he could put up a lot of numbers. He could produce just the same. You know, that production with 50 catches a season, that's something you really don't see a lot uh, on the high school level, honestly. 50 catches a season is hard to get to, even if you include playoff games. So, especially in Colorado. Colorado, I don't think, plays as many high school games as, like, Texas, where they're going from August to, like, end of December sometimes. So, there you go. Uh, so... Yeah, a lot of positives. A lot of positives with Chase here. I think he's he can be an NFL guy, but like you said, Cody, it's kind of hard projecting receivers just because there's just a lot of receivers in the country. This is one of the positions that is overinflated for sure. <laughs> Honestly, so yep. you'll find a lot of good receivers. Like our own guy. Well, we we gotta give him a shout out. Our own guy Jesse Budin here. He was easily one of the best receivers. Um, well, I guess that we know. <laughs> I, I didn't play against Jesse, but he's a great receiver. And he probably didn't get as many opportunities as he should have, despite having that talent there. And that's just how it goes as receivers sometimes, to be honest. Um, like you said, it matters where you play at. Uh, not for everyone, but for receivers, for sure, it definitely matters where you play at. Because there's a lot out of your hands, more than, more than a lot of other positions here, to be honest. Touches are hard to come by as a receiver in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Also, it's hard to find good, reliable quarterbacks sometimes as well. So, you lucked out there. You also lucked out that he had a great running game and he had like a million one-on-one opportunities for his whole high school career. But we'll see how he does at you. Uh, we'll see how he does at CU and best of luck to him. And if he wants to come on to the show, like a uh, number of his teammates have, like James Walker and... Arden Walker, I just figured out they both have the same last name. It took you that long, huh? <laughs> then he's more than welcome to. Um, and that goes for everyone that we ever do an episode on, to be honest. So, there you go. But, Cody, any last words or statements here? Yeah, so, um, obviously, we love to have any of these players on the show if they have anything that they want to clear up. Um, we are... Working on the interviews, we've done a lot of them. We just have to de- decide when we're going to release them, so stay tuned for that. Um, obviously, the same old, same old. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, we're on all of there as either at Playmakers Corner or at Playmaker Corner. Um, we love getting your guys' requests. We just addressed that over Christmas, and uh, we hope that you enjoyed that. And we'll continue to do that. So continue to send in requests through those social medias. Send in your film. um, And just stay on the lookout for more content to come. But I'm Cody Stoffer. And I'm Simon Vorianos. Make sure you check out both of those request episodes. And get our guys a scholarship. And, And peace. Bye.